0: Welcome to the Carly Pilk Boys podcast, I'm David Ferrier I'm Stephen Merchant And we are two radio boys from Australia talking about the greatest, laziest run of radio shows in the history of broadcast The Ricky Gervais Show on XFM London in the early 2000s I've been a devoted listener for over a decade and this is Zach's first time so we're going through the shows each week by week as they were first broadcast. Today's show, Series One, Episode Five, AKA Carl's Pet Magpie, first broadcast eighth of December two thousand and one. Zach, thanks for being here. I know you're sick and you didn't want to do this.
1: <laughs> it's not that I didn't want to do it, but I did have. I was sleeping. It's the middle of the afternoon. I did have my alarm set to wake up, so I'm still a little bit. Uh, I'm still a little bit in a daze. But my illness shouldn't uh, affect the performance of, of the podcast. Okay. Well, I, I feel like that. it will be as mediocre as it usually is. As much
0: of a shambles, as one of the listeners has said.
1: <laughs> That's right. as oh, usual. really?
0: Yeah. We'll get to this because this is the first one we're recording since the episodes have gone live. Since I posted in the Ricky Gervais Reddit about the show, since we launched the bit- email address, a- and we've had emails, we've had comments, and I want to get into a few of those.
1: I'm a little bit concerned about that because I consider myself a Ricky Gervais fan, generally speaking. I've never listened to these shows, but I've enjoyed some things he's done in the past. I've been a little scared of getting feedback from a Ricky Gervais Reddit. Because I feel like if you are that into Ricky, you might enjoy roasting people. And I'm afraid that we might get roasted. Overwhelmingly, I can confirm the
0: feedback has been really good, even from the Reddit. The one that I did send you a screenshot of, I was going over like, oh, what should I mention in this? And I was going through just things that I'd sent you screenshots of over text. The uh, the one was the, was the guy who said, I, I'm enjoying the show. The Aussie wines took some use, uh, getting used to. Is there a bad tasting cheap lager sale somewhere? Um,
1: don't uh, know how to take that. that- <laughs> Is that well, I know stereotype? how to take that. I'm offended. Is that uh, a whining Aussies something that um, you know Brits often criticise Australians as? I don't whiny? know. Well, I don't know if it's a regular thing, but we've copped it. Maybe we're all
0: just knowingly or unknowingly victims of the influence of people like like Hamish Blake, you know who who. Oh, nasally. A, a bit that nasally. What I, I, that's yeah. what I've always thought about uh, Australian radio presenters, particularly, you know, chirpy, happy-sounding, young, straight white males. Uh, we tend to have a, you know, a slightly
1: nasally quality, but uh, apparently also whiny. So, appreciate that. Uh, but that- I'm, not, um, I'm not actually offended by that. I, I feel less accurate. I, if you look at the uh, breadth of my work, whininess is a reoccurring theme i i am complaining in a lot of things that i make <laughs> it's a
0: part of your brand you're saying and you're owning it
1: yeah so i feel like don't you know if you've got something going for you if you've got a brand value that people recognize you for don't turn your back to it even if it's a bit of a negative one it's Embrace distinctive it. at least yeah okay
0: let's call this show the whiny carly pilk boys we're getting even more niche as we go along <laughs> Let us know what you think, Pod at gmail.com. Speaking of emails, we've got a few. Uh, There's a couple that I want to highlight. One from Philip Treller. Hello, PilkBoys. Philip here. I just want to say that I completely agree with David about how annoying modern Ricky is. I feel like he's become the exact kind of person he used to mock with stuff like his incredibly thinly veiled humble brags on Twitter. In case you couldn't tell, I'm a bit livid today. (laughs) That's a nice one. Thank you, Philip. Sorry to hear you're feeling a bit livid Yeah Um, If you're feeling livid May I suggest a nice weekend away To a car park in Hastings Now Zach you won't get that reference But for everyone else who's already listened to all the shows They'll love that Uh, Yeah so there's been a couple of um, Reactions to people Like um, echoing the thoughts I kind of went on about In a very muddled way on the last episode But Zach you actually sent me Was it
1: on TikTok yeah, someone uh, was doing a very similar style of rant. To be fair, it was a bit more cohesive and made a little more sense. But they were basically... Um, well, their big bugbear, I think, was that Ricky seemed to be putting characters in his movies just so they can be shut down by a more smug, more intellectual character.
0: Did I not say this on the last one? Yeah, the, you sure. know the concept, concept of the Monopoly Man? Uh, yeah, you have told me before. Yeah, the Dan Harmon thing of of the Monopoly Man from Ace Ventura 2, where where Ace Ventura really owns this guy, this snooty guy to Fancy Party and go, And that must be the Monopoly Man! And everyone goes, Yes, Ace! You owned him! But then you sit back and realise, well, like that's, you know, like playing T-Ball, the, the, the character was written to look absurd and be someone who is mockable. That is what Ricky Gervais does in his TV shows now. He writes these stupid, ignorant characters for his character to then own. And I don't like it. But yes, the 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 TikTok that you sent me was far more considered and thought out and coherent. And I'm going to insert it right
2: here. Am I the only one that, like, right, I'm a big fan of Ricky Gervais. I love The Office. I love Extras. I love his podcast with Carl Pilkington. Big fan. Afterlife's so all right. But... Can he just have a day off recently? Every time I see him everywhere, it's him on an interview or him tweeting, being like, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. And he just just bangs on about it all the time. It's all he ever fucking speaks about. And then he writes plot lines into TV shows where there'll be a religious character that's just a bit dumb, that's just like, I believe Noah's Ark happened and God made the earth in seven days. And then he purposely writes that in so he can then counteract that with, no, it's not. How could he possibly do that? And I'm like, bro, just have a day off. Just let people believe what they want to believe. Like, Christ, like, you seem more offended at this point, to be honest with you, that you can't joke about things when no one's telling you that you can't. Like, you, you've still got, like, a Netflix special, bro. Like, you're doing fine. Like, just write a joke about something else. Like, give us all a breather for 10 fucking minutes. Hope
0: you enjoyed that. Wasn't that great, Zach? <laughs> yes.
1: I uh I think this might be like a bit of a sub thread now to this podcast. I feel like it well, started out as like a love letter to Ricky Gervais and there's like a PS We kinda don't like you also.
0: <laughs> now we're now it's gonna become fans who are trying to process their complicated feelings about uh, who he was versus who he st- seems to have become, at least publicly.
1: The funny thing is, in this episode, I think he comes alive. I thought Ricky was at the top of his game in episode five of uh, uh, the XFM show. You know, previous weeks, I had commented that uh, Steve Merchant had really taken the weight of the stories and the content. I'm, I'm thinking now, I'm like, I wonder if they rotate between them. I, it, it could just be very much so that it was just so casual that it was whoever had stories... Um, you know, shared them. But I also wonder if it was like, he was like, yeah, this week I'll tell stories, next week you tell stories, because it does seem to be really aligned to each one of them. Like, they get like a week each, because this week it was basically Ricky running the whole show. It
0: has a feeling of like, oh, I've got this story I can do, you know, what do we do at this time, guys? And, and, and one of them pipes up, oh, I've got a story, but we'll get to it. Completely agree, Ricky comes al- alive in this episode, and I've noted down how many great personal stories he tells. Yes. But uh, back on, on the uh, trying to process and uh, sum up my feelings about what ha- Ricky has become, yeah. it brings me to another email. Okay. This one's from Mothra Jenkins. Hello there, enjoying the show so far, and look forward to all comp- uh, to you all completing the series. I've got a game show idea. Why do you hate Ricky? <laughs> similar to similar to what country do you want to see bombed and which celebrity <laughs> do you hate? Again, references Zach That is someone who has not heard these shows, you will not understand because we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Uh, the email continues. Email in why you hate Ricky and best answer gets the consolation prize of knowing they listen to a shambles of a podcast <laughs> about a shambles of a podcast. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, cool.
1: Ben, these are funny emails. Um, yeah, This it goes to show, though, if people, usually people who are fans of funny things are usually pretty funny.
0: That has been a, a thread that I've noticed. The, 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 the post on the um, Carl Pilkington Reddit, which was the separate post I also included, someone wrote a full paragraph-long uh, response uh, which started to read as though it was a warning against using <laughs> copyrighted material. But then at the last moment... Revealed itself to be a joke. Yeah, right. Uh, it was someone telling me that they had started a similar podcast and they got in trouble with lawyers, uh, and they came to a deal. And then, uh, a monk- then, long story, a monkey showed up in a suit, and they came up to came with a deal that uh, for every hundred clicks, he the monkey would get a banana, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, but in answer to Mothra's email. Love the idea, love the uh, coming up with ideas that relate to the actual show itself. But despite everything I've said so far, I don't want to get too negative, which maybe that horse has bolted. Uh, And I still kind of want to hold out hope, as unlikely as it is, that one day Ricky Gervais might be on this show. And if we start going down the line of just out, out and out disdain, I think that will pretty much confirm that that will never, ever, ever happen. So I just want to restate that I have so much love for Ricky Gervais. He has created some of the, the greatest... He has created one of the greatest TV shows of all time, and he has provided me hours upon hours upon hours of entertainment, I just have complicated feelings of what has happened in the years following extras, and since, certainly since uh, he stopped collaborating with Carl and Steve. Complicated feelings, Zach.
1: Now, you brought up Ricky coming onto the show. I do think at the moment that seems far-fetched, but I was wondering if similar, you know, have you seen that internet uh, sensation where a guy started with a paperclip and he ended up with a house by just trading something slightly Training bigger up. Yep. Yep. I wonder if we can start by interviewing people around the show. And then, cause each time you get someone for an interview, if you can reference someone else that you've interviewed. So for example, for Ricky, if we say we interviewed Steve, he might come on. Now, Steve is slightly more achievable. Now we work down from there. We get someone in the building that gets us onto a producer. A producer gets us into the, into the production room. We get from the production room to Carl, maybe. I don't know. Who would be bigger at this stage to this show? Would we consider Ricky? Yeah, probably Ricky. He'd be bigger than Carl, right?
0: Ricky bigger, Carl more elusive.
1: Yeah, that's true. But do you understand what I'm saying? we got to chip away at it. I like your train because of now thought. we're just coming from like so cold. He'd be like, "What's this podcast?" What? But if we can go through a list of people, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I know yeah. these people." Start with the janitor. Yeah. Next, go to a receptionist. Yeah, but, look, but then I'm we're a- also a- getting a cohesive view of what the show was like as well. You got to get these alternate angles.
0: I do, and that's part of the reason I want to talk to Christian O'Connell so much. I want to know what it was like in that radio station. At that time, well, see, Christian an up- O'Connell, that's a pretty high starting point. <laughs> that would be going straight to the top. And and an update on that: no, no, <laughs> the update is, I have no update. I have emailed him again. Uh, he did originally agree, said, Yep, great, can do it. And then subsequent emails to lock in a time, uh, have, have not provi- uh, proved to uh, be fruitful as of yet. But I have been told. That Jack posts his sidekick on the radio show that he does here, has listened to this show. So, Jack, if you're listening, could maybe help us out, put in a good word... I have just finished his book. I finished Christian O'Connell's book over the weekend, um, and it was really good. There are a few mentions to XFM in there, uh, but it was uh, strangely more. The more value I got out of it was uh, his advice around like mental health and stuff. But look, that's for a different podcast episode. That's for when I actually talk to him and I'm complimenting about his book. Um, but yes, that, l- let's do that. And I know we've talked off air about some ideas of maybe who who we could target. So. That could be an uh, ongoing, ongoing uh, project. If you have any suggestions, listeners, of people maybe we could reach out to, I would love to get Claire Sturgis on the show because she filled in for Carl a couple of times on the run of these shows. We will get to those shows eventually. Uh, yes, any suggestions of who maybe we could go after to interview for this show, to give us a paint the picture of XFM in the early 2000s, Carly Pilkboys Pod at gmail.com. Okay, uh, the segment that I tried, gave a run last time, was the uh, news from this date. So, I'm going to try branding this up as BONG UK news from this date, 8th of December 2001. BONG! Zach, another reference you just won't get, because we haven't got there yet. Um, no news that I wanted to point out, but this episode was the, uh, was the went to air two days before Lord of the Rings... Fellowship of the Ring was released in
1: the UK. Well, because they give uh, a review of it, and the joke kind of is it's not out yet. And I thought, Lord of the Rings Mm. isn't out yet? This is such a cultural touchpoint for us. This was a a world before uh, Elijah Wood as Frodo. (laughs) I know. This is the the last...
0: This is a post-9-11, pre-Lord of the Rings (laughs) Age. It's a very specific time. <laughs> there was in human only a history. few months there. Uh, okay. Quotes from the comments section below because we're both listening to the, them on YouTube using the uh, Mothman uh, YouTube account, which seems to be like the, the best one. Uh, one of the top comments: Bardic base. In a way, I prefer these older ones when they hadn't started capitalising on Carl as much. Just feels a lot more organic. And it's nice hearing Carl laugh and be sarky and stuff, as opposed to just constantly being mocked, even though I do know it's playful. So I like that because I relate to that. The early days do feel like they are feeling each other out a bit more, and it's interesting hearing how it develops. But the all-time great segments and all-time great stories do come later on, and I'm so excited for you to hear them, Zach.
1: I'm excited as well. I started to enjoy... This was probably the one I enjoyed the most, to be honest. Uh, Probably the one I laughed the most so far. It's an
0: upward trajectory from here, I feel like it's safe to say. So, let's get into it. The show notes. Uh, First thing, and just jump in at any time, Zach, that they start the show by teasing the music. (laughs) Just as radio presenters, you and I, just how strange that is outside of, in Australia, Triple J that any radio show would go, hey, we've got a great show coming up and then list a bunch of songs
1: as and opposed to content. That's right. And then later in the show, they uh, talk about which which songs they've dropped, which ones they don't like. They go on quite a long rant about how they don't like Muse, which I was like, oh, okay. Uh, is a Muse someone that we really don't like passionately? And, um,
0: I loved Mu- I loved Muse yeah, as a teenager. Oh, yeah, but so nice. man, they really, they really depress Ricky. Like that's the, it's might be the saddest you ever hear him get uh, on this show. The most bummed out. He's really fed up over it.
1: And Ricky hilariously does ask for bribes to play songs.
0: Yeah, yeah. They 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 start to um, they do that a few times and try to get like goods and services. I've
1: always wondered with that because that's illegal. But he's obviously joking. So, um, where's the line Is with that? it is it strictly illegal? Yeah. Isn't that cash for comment? Yeah. Can't you just, like, ring a bell or whatever? Uh- <laughs> yeah, uh, Advertising content has to be uh, oh, distinguishable. Clearly. Has to yeah, be clearly okay. defined to the average listener. Uh, so, you could say this is an ad, I guess. Uh, in right. Your- but, you know, he's obviously joking. But I've always wondered, yeah. like, is... Joking a defence because people would—I'm sure—bands would have sent him stuff after he said that, even though it was a joke.
0: Um, it's a defence in defamation that you were trying to be funny. I don't know if it is for cash for comment. Uh, the discussion about the real Slim Shady show. This is a, we're, we're, this is a uh, post nine eleven pre Lord of the Rings era. It's also peak Slim Shady error. Because I looked it up, the Real Slim Shady came out a year earlier, aroundabouts. Um and they talk about the the Slim Shady animated show, which I did have a look at. It's the worst thing I've ever seen and Eminem should go to jail for it, I think. It's that it's that much of an offence.
1: Well see this was news to me because they were talking about how all those songs were kind of um novelty songs. Yeah, And and I thought... I'm Slim Shady, yeah. joking. But, you know, I was 10 years old, and that was my introduction to rap. So, I was like, really? I was like, I thought that was hardcore. I thought this was (laughs) real (laughs) hip-hop. Were you allowed to listen to Slim Shady? No, of course not. It was the type of thing that, you know, we had the uh, album insert, you know, like the uh, album booklet, and we're, like, flicking through it down the back kind of thing. Oh, so many swear words. Yeah, yeah yeah i had a a friend
0: who whose parents were a bit more lenient, and I'd go over there and we'd listen to it and think we were cool
1: when you listen to it now, you are like, Oh yeah, this is songs made for thirteen year olds and some songs that um
0: have not aged well, no. like the one with dr dre no. where the the like the good devil good the angel versus devil back and forth thing about what to do in certain situations Anyway, um, the conversation about the name Pilkington <laughs> is the next note I have. See, I'm learning. There's nothing funny about
1: Pilkington. I've learned a lot through this podcast because I'm learning also a lot about British culture. So Northerners uh, are they? Is is this a stereotype that they're not very sharp? Is that the idea? Because they keep saying, he's well, that a, he's a Northerner." Yeah,
0: yeah, and that, that, that Manchester in the north is a bit behind the times, See, I'm and from, I'm, not as advanced. I'm a
1: Queenslander in Australia, um, and I would say that the southern states, so I'm from Brisbane, and Sydney and Melbourne, the biggest cities, I think they have that view of us, don't they?
0: As someone who didn't live in Brisbane until 18 months ago, and have spent most of my time in the southern states, I can confirm... That everyone looks down on you, <laughs> Queenslanders Be, because 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 of your Pauline Hansons of the world, because of your Bob Catters, uh, Queensland is seen as a bit of the like the Texas or Alabama of Australia or Florida. But or Florida is a good one, yes, t- definitely. Florida man in the news, uh, sub that out for Queensland man, and uh, <laughs> particularly Far North Queensland man. Uh, but yeah, but now that now that I've moved up here, Brisbane is of you know as these things always are. These generalizations they are false, they are incorrect. Brisbane is an awesome cosmopolitan, you know, uh, advanced uh, in culture and arts. It's a great place. Uh, which name do you prefer, Zach? The rock and roll DJs or Pilkey's making music? Pilkey's making music this is an iconic I, I really want to get like an alarm like an iconic moment alert so for fans of the show when these iconic moments come up which then become callbacks and things they constantly reference Pilkey's making music is definitely one of them <laughs> so I will I will work on that I'll work on a, a iconic moment alert alarm thing uh, yeah DJs did you ever did you ever DJ or anything like that?
1: No, DJing is a uh, you know, thing that's lost on me a little bit. What, I had never even like put together a real dance playlist like they're talking about. They're like, What what what's the song that gets everyone out of the seats and onto the floor? I'm like, I don't know. Slim shady. Are you still talking about that? <laughs> you never made mixtapes for for you, you know, oh, young yeah, love interests? For, uh that was more existential angst. Mm. That's what those were. full of muse. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Rather than dance like floor would hate fillers, you wouldn't put it... Yeah, that's right. Okay. Oh, what a night into Dancing Queen. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, no, I have... Not even for, like, parties that you were hosting. That's what i That's I've
1: still got in my Spotify different playlists yeah. for different parties. But I always feel like people hate my playlists. I feel like... I made this playlist for my uh, girlfriend's 18th birthday. And I remember now... Like vividly, this guy is like acted later became a good friend. But I remember this guy showing up, taking the iPod out and plugging his own iPod in and changing the music at someone else's birthday. Yeah, Can you imagine the audacity! And I was, I remember just being like, "Oh, uh, he was like a cooler guy," and I'm like, "Oh well, I guess my music taste sucks." That um, God, that's such an
0: offense at parties. That's one of those unwritten laws that are constantly broken. I remember having a party and. Having a carefully curated playlist, and then when people drank more and were dancing, just going up and changing mid song to the song they wanted to hear, and then someone else wanted to hear a different song, and they'd come up and. And were you like,
1: guys, no, there's a flow. I've thought this through. Don't. Yeah, no,
0: there's serious. There are moments in the night where certain songs are going to (laughs) play. I've thought this through. Trust me. Yeah, I got into like a real argument, like a real, not like a fight, but just a real testy moment with someone who. Asked if they could change the music, and I and I just said no. I stood I stood in the way of the of the <laughs> stereo, and I said no. If you want to have your own party, you can play whatever music you like. And he was a real asshole about
1: it. Uh, Who was being the asshole here? though? <laughs> I don't at take the requests. Of the day, like- Back off. I mean, standing and physically being a security guard to the iPod at a party doesn't exude. A fun vibe, but if I have to deal with people being in my
0: house and the cleanup, the host gets to decide the music. At the very
1: least, give me now that. Listen up, everyone. Sit down. <laughs> Before the party starts, we're going to go through the party rules. <laughs> Rule number one: We're going to have fun, but we're going to have fun the way I say. <laughs> yeah, that's how parties work. <laughs> Fun, but by my standards. No, I definitely can... If I, you know, if I was feeling a bit more bold, I probably would have confronted this guy, but instead I was just like, okay, he had a big gang of guys and they were from a cooler group, so I was just like... Oh. Yeah, if someone
0: does come in with I know music energy and um, this is going to happen, then then it's you got to concede to the music alpha sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, this was back when, like, um, remember Fight Dancing was a real big... Uh, pastime inserted. no uh, what yeah you know there was a certain stream of metal oh like hardcore or, or punk I'll do it like do or it punk. do it like waving your arms and stuff like that yeah and you'd wave around your arms like right and uh, these guys were all into that and so I was kind of like yeah I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to go out the front and be fight danced at yeah right
0: and also you couldn't da- fight dance to the music you were playing could you you no. couldn't no. fight dance to the YMCA. Or maybe you could if you really no. tried.
1: In some ways, that was actually the first fight dance when you think about the movements.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, the next get on to the uh, um, conversation about K-Fest. I did notice that the tickets, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm mistaken, they said the tickets were only seven fifty for a music yeah. festival.
1: And Stephen suggested that they give them away for $5 because <laughs> it's still a discount. <laughs> this was the bit where I, I laughed the most at this out of anything I've heard in the previous five episodes, which is interesting because it's not a Carl moment. No, wait, but
0: which part made you laugh?
1: Uh, when they do the call in, which is to get oh, these the tickets. who wants them. To get these tickets, Ricky says, oh, you have to answer the question, who wants to go? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how they give they give away uh a lot of to, the the question to win is do you want it? Um yeah. But 7 750 for a festival, you now cannot go to a festival for under $250 in Australia.
1: And I think it uh, was I do, like metal or something wasn't it? Cuz they kind of like, Yeah, it's a um, death metal death metal festival, yeah. Yeah,
0: right. And they, and and they get egg on their face for being so arrogant about like who the hell are these? Who the hell is Nile? And uh, and I love that they come back from the song a little humbled by like, okay, yeah, all right, we've we've you've proven your point. Uh, they are these bands are very popular. Uh, Steve's dad heard him slagging him off. It turns out.
1: I thought this was great and such a such a typical experience for a radio announcer. You're always petrified that someone's listening say something uh, on, on air and it comes back to bite you, that it surely has happened to you. It never has. Oh. That's probably more of a comment on how many of my friends listen to my radio show. <laughs> Late nights. <laughs> radio. Um, I'd also like, I'd often change names and things like that so that it couldn't be traced back. Ah, okay. Oh, maybe I'm kind of having a memory of someone... Saying something, uh, nothing that ever caused any issues, anyway.
0: Would you like to say something uh, defamatory about one of your friends or family on this podcast? No, well,
1: here's the thing. I, listening to the previous episodes of the podcast, I have said some defamatory things about the radio industry, and you've edited them out. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) To protect you and me. (laughs) (laughs) Mainly me. (laughs) In one of the earlier episodes, we kept in a reference about how things were getting a bit tight, or that there might be a reoccurring theme that I've bitter, but it doesn't really sound like I'm that bitter in the episode. It's because there's about 10 minutes of bitterness cut out. (laughs) Well, that's part of my
0: effort effort to, uh, upon reflection, the episode just sort of went where it went when we were recording, but... Uh, upon reflection, I thought, no, no, I don't want this to be like it's. It's not fun to listen to negativity, so I decided well, I want to cut that out, and that's why I don't want to do. Why do you hate Ricky? Uh, email in,
1: but that's okay. Well, then there you go. It sees I. I already. I feel like now I can't say anything slanderous, or else it'll just get cut out. Oh, you
0: can say slanderous things about. Um, uh, personal just not, people in your own personal life just not things that may threaten my uh, future employment, employment. potential
1: <laughs> fair enough that's fair call
0: <laughs> um so yeah steve's dad did hear him slag him off oh they get then get on to um uh jump in at any point by the way if i'm moving on and you've you've still got another point or if there's a point in the episode that i've missed but Otherwise, I'll move on to... They uh, They play a song by Mad Skills. Uh, they're talking about... the Steve um, plays this song that Mad Skills Ghost Rider. I just did a bit of Googling, because I like to see, like, oh, these people who are referenced then, who I maybe have not ever heard of, what are they up to now? What's become of them? The last entry in the Mad Skills Wikipedia is that in November 2017, it was announced that Skills would be an artist in residence at the University of Richmond starting in January 2018 teaching a course on hip hop.
1: There you go. I feel like this might have been the start of his career and I feel like what you're reading might be the the, the twilight the cushy period of
0: his- yeah, autumn of his rap career becoming a professor of hip hop. So nothing more street than that. <laughs> so this is where we get to the great run of personal stories. Oh, yeah. We're, this is the absolute golden bit of this episode. Well, it opens with a cracker.
1: The wing in the sink? Ricky is a sink pisser. <laughs> I would have never picked it. I would have thought he'd be really against that. I would have thought he would have a bit of a funny thing about germs. That would be my guess of Ricky. But no, he's a sink pisser through and through a sink pisser a
0: uh, if you pay attention over i don't know how often it comes up but he was a bit of a genital exposer to his friends really? which is something you don't do anymore no, uh, definitely not yeah um yeah the description of that apartment that flat that he and Jane lived in sounds very grim
1: so they were in a what it seems to be a studio apartment without a bathroom. So just one bedroom, it had a sink on the wall, but he said you could roll out of bed and you'd be touching the sink. So he used to, instead of, you know, they had a communal bathroom down the hallway. So instead of going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, he would just roll out of bed, get on his tippy toes and piss in the sink. And sometimes wouldn't even move the dishes out of the way. Yeah.
0: He calls it a bed sit, I think, which I assume is like a studio apartment. In fact any UK listeners, if you could clarify what a bed sits is exactly, uh, carlypilkboyspod at gmail.com I'd appreciate that. Um, yeah. But have you been to uh, England before? Yeah. Did you see any w- sink- strangely placed sinks in carpeted rooms?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> is this a, set up to a joke or is this a real thing that
0: happens? No, no, no. I, I, the family friends that I was staying with in my bedroom, which was very carpeted, there was a sink in the corner. It was so bizarre. For pissing? Well, if you believe, <laughs> if you want to, then of course. Why, Anything.
1: Why, why are there random sinks around?
0: I don't know. This house was very old. It was actually like built before Australia was colonized. Like it was from the 1600s. The door frames so you- were came up to my nose. Yeah. So do you think there's places. a little
1: bit of like retrofitting going on?
0: I, I think there were just at some point, maybe in the seventies, they went, "We need a sink in this room," but there's carpet. Ah, oh, who cares? No, but uh, but uh, you know, carpet in bathrooms is a is a a bit more of a thing in the UK certainly than it is here. You wouldn't dream of it in old whiny Australia.
1: Um, well, particularly when. Um it, 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 the thing that it struck me the most in the story also was that his partner didn't seem like she seemed bothered by it, but not like crazily bothered. And it also, didn't seem like that this was always drunken behaviour. It seemed like this was just everyday behaviour, lazy behaviour. Yeah, I'd probably she'd do yell it from the bed. She she yelled from the bed. Can you at least can you at least live, run <laughs> the water? <laughs> run say, the water. Or, run the water or lift the
0: dishes up. Um, I love the story of of when he we wheezed the bed as well when he was drunk just again, like just real charming funny well told uh you know embarrassing himself um self-deprecating
1: i, I believe that's called uh to yeah back just at to the, the top best. of the show i do think that that is something that's uh yeah it's it's different with Ricky now i wouldn't really i couldn't imagine him telling these stories
0: yeah uh, yeah, I think he's still capable, but he's too busy telling people what's offensive and what's not. I do like I do like that Ricky. You'll notice Ricky always refers to Jane as his girlfriend, which just is a personal preference. I've never been a fan of the 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 name the word partner because yeah. they are they are they've been together forever, but they've never been married. So uh, he always refers to him as his girlfriend, and that's. Just a strange little tidbit that I, I don't know, I, I like it. It's, uh, there's something nice about it.
1: Um, yeah, they've been <laughs> together. I, because I looked at Ricky's, uh, Wikipedia to see how old he was. And uh, they've been together since like the 80s, I think.
0: You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Before
1: show business, well, it was at least before. Way comedy. before. Way before.
0: I think they met in university. If anyone can right. clarify, email. Um, I know we said this on last episode, but uh, I've forgotten when is his birthday? Because we're going to do a birthday show. 25th of June. Oh, it's past. <laughs> it was a couple of days ago. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, my God. Is it 60? Yeah, so he's 60. Happy birthday, Ricky. Also, born on the 25th of June. My nephew was just born on the 25th of June oh. a couple of days ago. My nephew shares the same birthday as Ricky Gervais. And they called him Ricky. No, they didn't. <laughs> but I did. Uh, man, 25th of June perfect birthday exactly six months between christmas which that might not mean anything to you zach but my birthday is two days before christmas uh, so, so i yes s- i notice stuff the like that i noticed stuff like that perfectly pacing out the uh
1: the presents yeah that is I, i've never heard 25th of june positioned like that but you're right it is the perfect birthday
0: it's the perfect birthday yeah um Another embarrassing. So these these stories, these personal stories, come in thick and fast. The wing in the sink, wing the bed, the story of when he found a condom that he thought was a dead snake. You know, if this was radio now, he would tell that story in the production meeting, and they'd say, "Okay, that's a phone topic. One triple three two hundred oh eight seven hundred eight hundred one two three four." What did you? Uh, what was your embarrassing childhood story? Uh, yeah. Ricky killing a fish with a homemade. Bow and arrow,
2: and Just then trying so, to yeah, then get trying rid to hide evidence.
0: So endearing and so relatable.
1: I love oh, it. Yeah, those uh moments when you're a kid, because like, wasn't it in his own backyard the pond? It wasn't like a public,
0: yeah, like, po- like so his like, own pond. Th- like uh, you know, the home
1: homemade pond. So, so it's these types of things that when you're a kid, you think, oh, I'm going to get in huge trouble for this, and then when you're an adult, you are like. What was that? Like, Of course I was never going to get in trouble. Firstly, I did nothing wrong or very little wrong. And secondly, what, they're going to get a six-year-old in yeah. trouble for
2: this?
0: But it's also something I relate to, which is that when you're a kid and you test your l- limits and you find your moral line when you step over it and you go, oh, this, this feels really bad. I, I didn't like this.
1: Did you kill a fish?
0: No, but I remember I pushed a kid once. Yeah. And he like fell and like hit his back on on a on a hose tap, and I just felt so gross I was like, "Oh, that's not, and it wasn't that I, I wasn't bullying him, it was just it was a friend of like my friend's brother's friend They were younger, and we were just being kids in the backyard, and I just got a little too fired up. You know those moments where you cross the line and go, "Oh God, no, this isn't this is i'm not this isn't who I am."
1: When I was like six, I stole like a roll of tubes from the shops. You know, like uh lollies, candy. Yeah, I did and that with some
0: chewing gum. Yeah.
1: And I and I got caught by my mum walking back to the car. Oh no. In I kind of re- like in a way that doesn't make any sense. I was wearing football shorts and they didn't have any pockets, but I put you know, so they were very obviously non-pocketed, but I put the tubes down my football shorts, but then I was holding them from the outside through the pants so that they didn't fall out the bottom. And I said to my mom, like I drew attention to it. I said, hey, mom, look, my pants have pockets. I don't know. That's a real dumb criminal thing to do. It's kind of like you wanted to be walking, away, You're one walking of those away from the bank with all the money and then saying to someone, hey, look, look at look in my bag. And uh, my mum's like, oh, my goodness, you've stolen. So, you have to go back to, I had to go back and hand him back. And, of course, nothing happened. They were just like, I'm sure he will never do it again. But I was so filled with guilt and fear that later that night, uh, Australia's Most Wanted, which was a reality (laughs) show that was on at the time, which showed security footage of people stealing things and then getting caught by police, I made my family turn it off because I was petrified that I was going to be on it. The irrational fear of
0: a child.
1: So your mum just made you hand old. it back. She didn't. She didn't go. Oh, better take you to the police. No. And- well, you know, the, there was a person at the front of the store that was like security, but she was like a seventy-year-old woman, <laughs> and and she had no reaction whatsoever. She just said like, oh, "Okay, thanks for bringing it back. I'm sure he won't do it again." And then that was that was the end of it. But still, even without any of the fear-mongering, that was enough to put me in. Oh my place. yeah,
0: to make you spiral. I was yep. terrified, like cripplingly terrified of ingrown toenails when I was a child. I was why is that? I just i I thought that they uh, they like um, make you essentially lose your feet, and <laughs> it's one of those things where it feels like that that kind of fear is so irrational that no no level of child psychologist could have talked me off the cliff, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah did you anyway, do anything about it? Cut your toenails off no though i i
0: I now just have a very um i i I will not ever add any curve when I cut my toenails. It was always just straight across, you've got to protect those sides of course. but uh it's good to find out that you have a moral compass on on reflection, I think for you Zach, because you know you if you did it and were like, hey, that was great fun, we might not be talking right now." You might be in jail alongside Bernie Madoff.
1: Yeah, so really, I can thank that seventy-year-old woman out the front of Franklin's for putting me on the straight and narrow. <laughs> and Ricky might be uh, some sort of hunter
0: posing with photos of elephants that are dead that they've been shot. Which well, that's we the all irony, know he
1: isn't hates. It? Isn't that the irony that he, you know, a lot of his uh, tweets are about? Oh, is it? Yeah, anti-hunting and stuff. Hey.
0: Which is great, which, just on a side note, love that stuff, fine, great, go for it. All about animal rights. Uh, yeah, so, and then then they get on you to- draw the line
1: at, <laughs> uh, at being the moral conscious of, what, offensiveness. Yeah, and just the bad, the, the, the poor quality of
0: his TV shows. Of his later TV shows. But I want to keep mentioning the good
1: things as well. I don't want to lose sight of those. Oh, this was a great story. He's gone back to back with two crackers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, the Steve, the kid who thought he could save a bird with a kiss of life.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, just wonderful. Just so joyful. And I uh, remember a similar thing when I was a kid. Or oh, just those things that like people tell you. I remember we had a running battle with the kids in the uh, preschool next door. We played on the same playground each afternoon. So, there was like two classes. We played on the same playground in the afternoon. And for some reason, for no particular reason... My friend and I had a running battle with these two boys in the class next door. And I remember watching them run towards the playground one day. And my friend said to me, if you stare at the sun for 10 seconds and then stare at them, it will shoot lasers at them. And so I'm like, all right, that makes sense. So we're both there staring (laughs) at the sun and then staring at them. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. They're still running towards the playground. It's not working.
0: Wow. I had a friend who started to believe he had, uh, like, mind powers, that he could control things <laughs> in his mind. I was like, no, nah, man, seriously, like, I got really mad last night and I screamed and the lights started to flicker. Like, whoa. Um, yeah, so these stories, so it's all Ricky and Steve and it's just home run after home run of personal stories. And then Carl sails in with another iconic moment when he tells the story of his pet magpie, Maggie.
1: Um, and this a is a magpie that is, uh, he doesn't keep in his house <laughs> and it also seems to be questionable whether or not it likes him. It's just a magpie that hangs around, but, uh, <laughs> but then swoops in
0: and then Swiss pecks his head, started pecking the tires on his grifter. Although I don't know if he mentions <laughs> that in this story, uh, cause it comes back around. Have you happened to have listened to the Alan Partridge uh, podcast on Audible from the no. Oast House? Okay, no. I feel like there'll be a bit of crossover if you're listening to this show there's a good chance you're also a fan of Alan, P- Alan Partridge I highly recommend the podcast it's really really good get an audible like trial subscription thing the two weeks free and listen to it because the last two episodes are all about Alan develops a relationship with a magpie <laughs> it's great Uh, It reminds me of this, it reminds me of Carl But yeah, this is the first time, I think, episode 5 Where Carl's storytelling starts to show itself Um, And it's all the hallmarks of what makes him so good Is the the peculiarity And the peculiarity of the details of the story Which he just tosses off so casually So, like, you know Oh, you know, I was in the park chasing a butterfly butterfly." And mum said, don't do that, they only live a day And he said, okay, well, I'll get a dead one tomorrow he doesn't realize how, how that is a well-constructed joke, but it's just an anecdote that he whips off the top of his head. <laughs> how did you find it? What did you think?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. He's, he, it's excellent. They're, there's a kind of a macabre-ness to them. Yeah. You know, they're, like, they're kind of they're funny, but they're also... A lot of them, are, there's a sadness, and like, it's like there's a deep well there that's just waiting to be unpacked.
0: Wow. You don't know, but you just echoed what R- Ricky says about his
1: stories as,
0: as we go on and we get more of those stories. That there's just this, at the end of the story, you don't know whether to hug him or to like <laughs> just put him down, put him out of his misery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So it's the first of many, and I can't wait to get to the other ones. Uh, then we move on to Steve's story about the speakers, which on the many many goes around listening to these episodes after the first first or second time i heard it it's a bit of a low point for me and i always skip through it and i don't really, really yeah i don't really know why i think just cuz after one listen it's a bit of a rehearsed story i think it's like i don't know there's no surprising details or turns it's it's someone who thinks it's a really great story you know ro- going through his great story as quickly it's like his party anecdote which i
1: don't know it does I, seem a I, little tra- like that
0: yeah I, I, as opposed to i mean i don't know maybe it's just you can't follow a story like carl's magpie <laughs> and it's like a tough act to follow but what did you think
1: i thought it was a pretty crazy story you know uh it did seem now that you mentioned it well rehearsed i didn't particularly understand some of the points in it, like why it was important to mention that he was working for the BBC at the time. That doesn't really come into it, does it? Or is it because he was in that car? He was in a BBC car. car. Yeah, he was in a work work car. He was carrying stolen goods in a BBC car. Yeah, yeah. Right, a, a, a government car, basically.
0: Yeah. I think, you know what it might be? Maybe it just echoes a thing that, having worked in commercial radio for a long time, hearing various shows where the hosts tell a story in a way where I think there is no... You are giving me no way to enjoy this story as much as you are enjoying telling it.
1: Mm. Well, I think sometimes if you... If it's a well-rehearsed story, whereas, uh, like, Carl's story is a story that someone else is extracting. And so, as the extractor, you're kind of being the audience. You get to ask the questions that the audience... Are thinking Because you are an audience member. You're an audience member who can interact with the storyteller. You are, you know, then what happened? Oh, my goodness, that's so crazy. If it's someone who has a story that they've rehearsed so many times, there's none of those in points. There's none of those points where you can uh, jump in and kind of really get into it. Do you get what I mean? You're not yeah. extracting anything from the storyteller. And uh, w- when a story is being extracted from you, you're kind of uh, a passive bystander to it you're not directing it where it can go. And therefore, it can go to interesting places because it can go to places that you didn't want it to go out of embarrassment or fear. And so, if you're in control, there's never going to be any of those wild turns where you're suddenly embarrassed or you're suddenly scared of where it's going to go or you suddenly say something really funny that you weren't expecting because you're not reacting to any new stimulus. That's
0: a very interesting and well-constructed analysis and I appreciate I it and I appreciate you Zach thank you
1: do you, do you think that's valid or not I
0: think it totally yeah I think it's all those things it just it 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 feels a bit rehearsed and and like there's no magic in it it's just a story which has too much detail it goes for a little bit too long and it's not that funny like it's actually I found it like I find it a little bit uh not sad but just This interaction with these two obviously
1: criminals, um, I don't know. It's just not that funny. Well, you know, uh, the way I'd relate to it is when I've done radio before, and we'll do something. We've had we'll do something, and either it wasn't recorded properly, or something went wrong, or you know, technical difficulty. And someone will be like, "Oh, we'll just do it again." I'm like, "No, it's done. We can't tell that story again because." We know all the different turns in it, and the other person's not going to react. The other person's not going to have interesting things to say. It's done. And that's the same thing that happens if you tell, like, a classic story. If you're two announcers who know each other's stories, and you're like, oh, tell that classic story you have. It never really goes very well, as much as something like the magpie that's just come up so organically.
0: And that is what makes this so special, is not only did they, like, none of it was planned, but they just happened to have one of the most unique individuals on the planet. Uh, now, did you hear when when Ricky's doing his Schindler's List review that you can hear a police siren <laughs> driving past?
1: No. Is this a reference to maybe the location that their studios are yeah. in, or maybe that they're not particularly soundproof? I
0: think, I'm pretty
1: sure they're in Leicester
0: Square. If anyone can confirm or deny, email us. But they're right in the centre of London. Um, so, yeah, I think it's funny. It just speaks to, the obviously, the quality and the location of their studio. So that is that you can hear a police siren drive past. Because those things are meant to be completely soundproof. Rarely are, though. Rarely are completely. Yeah, we had... So the radio show that I've just finished um, working on as the uh, breakfast show as the anchor. We had this competition... Where if you match five words with the host, you win ten thousand dollars, and it hasn't gone on for a long time. And I don't want to say we were trying to give it away, but we were. the The questions were very gettable. Um, we were ho- ho- the show was hopeful that it would go off, and they were the most obvious, obvious answers as much as you can make them obvious. And when it's all quiet, and you're saying the words, and then when the caller said the wrong word you could audibly hear one of the producers out in the airlock outside the studio scream.
1: (laughs) I worked at a community station for a while, and it's a bit different with community because you have no money. But it was on a train line, and you could hear the train. And I know that people would listen to the show in the morning, and they would know how they were running for work, not on the time updates, but what trains they could hear go by. They're like, oh, that's the 8.22. I'm running a bit late this morning. Wow, that's great. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Uh, and trains tend to run on time, so that would be pretty reliable. The This is the first instance where they bring up Lord of the Rings, which I already mentioned two days before it it came out, which they, you might have gotten from this one, but it comes up again, how much they don't like Lord of the Rings and how severely they judge the
1: geeks that
0: like that kind of stuff. Oh,
1: which, that doesn't bode well. Twenty years on,
0: no, and and subsequently, Martin Freeman, who's in the office, was in The Hobbit as Bilbo Baggins, had a lead role. But, so I've always been, I've always wondered, like what what you know, assuming that they are still social or they still bump into one another every now and then, what uh, what would Ricky and Steve say to Martin? But even
1: more, even more broadly, they. They weren't niche. They weren't nerdy. That was like Lord of the Rings would be considered massively mainstream now, right? Oh,
0: hugely. Yeah, yeah, hugely. I do. I, I laugh do feel like stuff it's a, like that happens. It's an age thing for Ricky and Steve that they, because you know, we're many years into to, to nerds being cool and yeah, fan right. culture being the being the mainstream, but. I think this is still coming from a place like Ricky and Steve, if you, of a time where you're into Dungeons and Dragons, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, whatever. You're a dork, you're, or Doctor Who, um, and they really make that known over the run of this show. Um, yeah, the bummer note when uh, when Ricky just absolutely hates that he had to pl- that they had to play Muse, uh, a real low moment in in the show, in the atmosphere, and you can hear it. You can hear the particularly. Carl's moment when he can't be bothered hand- giving the phone number out.
1: Oh, that can't was be actually, bothered. That's probably my favourite part. Neither can pun, I. Yeah, it's just the, the genuine nature of like, hey, do you want to throw to the phones? Not really. Can't be bothered. <laughs> you just can't get up for it. Just not, not into it.
0: Not going to happen. I love that. I wish I. there have definitely been times where I have wished I could have done that in, in my You have
1: to believe job. a little bit of your own BS. You know, you have to go into a show believing that the stuff you have is really good. Now, especially with phone topics, you've got to believe that people are going to want to... If you don't sell it, if you don't believe that people are going to want to be involved, they're not going to want to be involved. And I can relate to that so much looking at a board and thinking, I don't want to ask this question. I couldn't care less what people have to say. I yeah. could not care less. And, and the idea that you have to go have a big breath in and go, all right, got to pretend to be into this for the next five minutes. I love that Carl's just like, nah, not going to do not it. Not going to happen.
0: Uh, all right, well, we get, and we get to the end of the episode with Steve's ongoing attempts quest to kiss Carl. Oh,
1: they end the show by giving him more, a cuddle. More off-mic struggling.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, key phrases. I actually didn't note any down. None jumped out to me. Any key phrases that um signify an important moment in the development of the relationship between Ricky Steve and Carl. Didn't didn't hear anyone's in particular no. this week.
1: No, what, nothing jumped out at me. What was your favourite bit? It would be a tie between uh the being a sink pisser and from a radio point of view, I couldn't go past Carl not wanting to throw to the phones. Couldn't be bothered.
2: <sighs> anyway, we're not gonna argue. There is a big difference. Phone in if you... What's the difference between Muse and Radiohead? What's the phone number? What do you mean, what's the difference? What's, well, yeah, let's have a competition. Let's see if p- people can tell the difference between Muse and Radiohead. Give the number out.
0: Can't be bothered. Nor can I.
2: So it's left to me to keep the thing afloat.
0: Yeah. That's never good news. For me, it's the magpie... magpie story. Carl's pet magpie Maggie who was not actually his pet would just hang around and peck his head and then one day just flew away it
2: flew around but it used to just like come to me all the time but then it's like pecking me head and stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's not a pet magpie that's a bird in the garden
0: alright that is season 1 episode 5 done, get in touch Pod at gmail microphone just flew away from me Pod at gmail.com Zach Mander on Instagram and TikTok, your TikTok is very popular, Zach. Congratulations on all its success. Thanks, Dave. And uh, I'm David Ferrier at 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 gmail dot Instagram slash LinkedIn. Okay, the Carly bo- Pilk Boys will be back next week. We are now up to date with re- we're going to be recording new episodes each week. Uh, so do get in touch with the show. We love feedback. I I know that there is such a big community of fans out there. So look, whatever you want to say or, or contribute, please do. And we'll see you on the next one. See ya.
2: Bye. I don't like moaning anyway. Just.